What's up, knuckle breakers? Welcome to the big show. Toby, what's on your mind? Uh, well, first, Matt, I'm going to tell everybody to join the Discord uh, so you can download the question and our new album, Rub Some Dirt On It, weeks before they're added to Spotify. So join the Discord, and the link's in the description. It's a Discord invite. Go there and check that out right now. Marriage Supply has a Naughty Nights Halloween box. <laughs> and uh, let's let me tell you, 15% off with Treats, that's T-R-E-A-T-S, uh, promo code and uh, now through Halloween we got songs and stories where me Devin and uh, Matt are flying to Phoenix and we're going to play a show in Phoenix acoustic show at a really cool place so you can go to when is that Saturday in Phoenix yep. Saturday night yeah. 10, 10 16 um, and we're planning a knuckle breakers bash in Kansas City in December That'll be uh, Friday, uh, December the 10th, and December the 11th, Friday and Saturday. So the more details are going to come about that, seriously. Uh, also, listen to H&M's The Black Sheep Podcast interview with me. I did it. It was really good. It was really fun. I appreciate that. And then uh, you can become an official Knuckle Breaker. Uh, link is in the description. Very good. Yeah, we got a bunch of stuff going and a bunch of stuff not on that list. And um, people are noticing transitions around the brand and knuckle breakers and Matt and Toby and all the stuff. So we're sorting all that out. We'll talk about some of that stuff as we go here, um, probably in the episode tonight, because tonight's episode is really about uh, communities and communities telling their own stories and uh, making their own stuff and just and you know that that kind of world that we're in. So we're gonna hang out yeah. uh, tonight, Joe and yeah. Dustin. We're breaking down Dave Chappelle's new. Special. That's what this whole episode is about. <laughs> um, Dusty just and six, Joe from just Beloved. Just six white guys going to break it down. <laughs> and, Joe, and Joe will be reading the transcript. He'll be our transcript reader. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Word for word. Thank you, thank you, Joe. We'll, yeah. Word for word, just so we don't miss anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited Boy. to be here for this multi-hangout, multi-band hangout kind of thing. Um, I've got the juice unbelievable. I got the phone juice because I got my phone fixed, and I am living so high you can't believe it. I was just telling Toby on the uh, pod that we do for the knuckle breakers that I had not had my phone for about a week, and I've been on vacation, and my screen was broken, and I was just telling him how great it was to not have a phone and how I was just felt better and all that stuff, but I got my screen fixed today and i'm so back baby i was i was i was bullshitting you when i said it wasn't good to have a phone i got my phone it is awesome it's, so I, it's like good i was in back. rehab for a long time and now i'm just back right. like i was that was bullshit you know it's i have i can communicate with anybody i can get anything at any time i'm living high with a new phone screen. <laughs> so that, that lets you know the addiction of of, the, of those devices but it's real. is it the most addictive thing i mean seriously like i know i mean i mean alcohol i get it Heroin, drug, all those drugs, I get it. But I mean, your phone, like, that's why when people say you have like a food addiction, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, how can you, I mean, I mean, you have to have it to live. And I think the same way about my phone. I have to have my phone to live. Yeah. I heard a top phone right now. (laughs) Someone, someone, uh, I heard someone do like a top five. It was like a, a, maybe a therapist or someone who said they had a top five uh, addiction list based on their experience. And the top one was gambling. Wow! Over all the drugs and everything, but I I would probably argue that phone is up there. I mean, I would say yeah. it's pretty high on that list for sure. Well, I would have thought ass would have been higher. <laughs> <laughs> just just thick ass. 
Because I'm addicted, if you oh, know what I mean. Um, I was just at the beach with my family, and they were. My dad was talking about the lottery, and and uh, you know that whole thing. And I couldn't believe I couldn't believe it. It was just like the sound started to sound like your dad. So my dad started to sound. Oh, and, yeah, just like no level of awareness of the of what it would really be like to win the lottery. Just the same old. Just well, if I did win, you'd get this much, and we'd start just like the most basic. <laughs> he had that conversation, conversation. with you. your dad. Did? Yes, I was like, what is so weird? But that's and I realized. That probably is almost everybody. They just think about the lottery. No. They play a little bit, and they just yeah. this is fantasy of what you would do. And I guess I mean if you count that as gambling or something, like it is pretty pervasive, and especially with all the Bitcoin and everything else now. I mean, is everybody yeah. gambling in some way at at all times? Uh, oh, like, yeah, is everybody involved probably. in that kind of behavior? Yeah, I mean, I I I gamble most days now <laughs> on on the DraftKings app. I'm not kidding. I'm always I'm always either thinking about doing the bet or doing the bet. And I mean, I'm just I'll, I don't bet that much, ten, fifteen dollars here and there or whatever. But Lunsford, <laughs> I got you into it, and you lost immediately. Oh, Bad, hundreds, hundreds of dollars so far in the playoffs. <laughs> and and you, you, how many times did you bet? Like four different games. Four. You lost four hundred dollars on four games. Yeah, that's but, insane. But the thing is, that's more normal. Toby, you're abnormal. Yeah. To- Toby bets five dollars. Toby a does game a super high stakes five dollar bets. <laughs> Dude, when I push like when a million hundred dollars, when I push when I push go through for, for the five dollars, I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, I don't know if I should do this, especially when I do. I accidentally did a round robin. Do y'all know what that is? So you can do a parlay, which is you put two or three different bets together, and it gives you better odds. Well, underneath it said, "Oh, a parlay." So it means um, I mean a round robin, which means say if you have a uh, four. Uh, different scenarios in a parlay that all of them have to hit to win. Maybe only two of them have to hit to win, and you still get some money. But it spends that amount of money on each bet. So if you were going to do a fifteen dollar parlay on a four one, you, it would be uh, what sixty dollars. So I ended up accidentally doing like a, a forty five or sixty dollar bet, and I was like, oh shit! And I was just I couldn't. Talk to my family. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I started praying again. I mean, I was like, I mean, sixty-five dollars would have just ended. Me. I mean, it would have been. I could not have handled it ever. So I, I mean, but it is fun. Like bet. I promise you, when you bet on a game, like I bet uh, that a certain player would would get the first touchdown. And man, it was so close. He didn't get it, but it was so close to going in. But then he got stopped at the goal line. They threw it to somebody else, and I didn't get the point. But I mean, when you're watching it, it is so fun. I mean, it makes the game so much better. I can't believe it. I mean, betting is is good. <laughs> I mean, you have, it you is have good. so many bets that you text, say, hey, I'm going to place this one. What do you think about baseball? And right, then right, right. I'm like, that that looks pretty good to me. I'd probably roll with that. And then six innings later, I text you. I'm like, Toby, you're winning. You're going to win. Uh, you're like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't go through it. Baseball, baseball is really hard to bet on, but every single bet I was going to make won. Yeah, I, on baseball, I don't have no, I have zero. I was just, it was just fun to watch the Braves, you know, play Milwaukee or whatever. But anyway, we don't have to talk about betting. <laughs> Man, I'm glad you got your phone back. Yeah, well, I'm feeling good. So Joe and Dusty, thanks for coming to hang out on the pod tonight. <laughs> we just figured it'd be a tour bus like hang if we just got. I don't know, we got six people here from the from the, from the group. Um, so pretty good. How was your show on Saturday night? I was on the airplane during the show, so. Tell me about it. I was just a ball of nerves again, but a much smaller ball. 
<laughs> this time. The the warm up at Furnace Fest gave me a lot of uh, practice, I guess. And but I I still feel like I missed everything that was happening in the room. I had to have people kind of give me the the replay of you know what was happening because I'm half blind like my pomade is running in my eyes and <laughs> I'm just trying to survive through the songs and make sure I'm not missing anything and um, processing like I feel like three or four seconds behind and but it was fun I, I really enjoyed just getting to be in our own little setting you know with with many more familiar faces this time so I, I had a lot of fun. It was it was cool. How about you, Dusty? How did it compare to Furnace Fest? It was cool. The set I was uh I was more present, I think, for this one, you know? Like the set at Furnace Fest, man, it was just like that weird thing. I looked back when it was done, it was like I blacked out the whole time and then you know we're we too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just like, I think I had fun and I think we did okay. You know, I think Devin stage dove, but yeah, like that's all that's like all I could remember. Um, <laughs> I, I like apologized for like the first 25 minutes after a set was done. Cause I didn't even know what happened. Yeah. And then going back and watching the videos, it was like, Oh, we, we sounded like us. So I was like, yeah. you know, I, I was a wreck. I was an absolute wreck after furnace fest. Yeah. Still. Y'all so were when, as out of body for y'all. The furnace fest one was then both are you saying? Absolutely. That? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much muscle memory there was. Like, it feels like there was some muscle memory just because, like I said, I had that blackout feeling. But it's like, dude, that was like 16 years ago. So I don't know where the muscle memory came from, you know? Mm-hmm. But Yeah. Well, um, I mean, when did, when did Beloved officially quit? But, uh, like, at first, or, or when you did quit? Uh, January 14th, 2005 was our last show. Wow. Uh, 16 and years. And y'all hadn't played together really since then? It was like 6,000 uh, days or something right. like that. I looked it up. <laughs> Six thousand days. Yeah, six thousand days. <laughs> that's a, that's that, but I mean, where was that show? That in was Winston. the that, in uh, Winston. Okay, so this um the this performance that we're going to put out for y'all, it's we should call it six thousand days or something. We figured out that number since you played in Winston Salem last, and that's kind of cool. That should be the yeah. name. I like of that. It. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, that's actually. awesome. So I mean. You know, coming back after 16 years and then you go and you guys knew, I mean, the anticipation was pretty wild. I mean, the anticipation was one of those things where it's like everybody knew what was about to happen. And the energy was at a level almost that I've never really felt at a concert before. I've never felt that at our own concert. Like when we when we're about to play and we're excited about a show or something crazy, you know, for us, I felt almost as nervous or more for you guys not like nervous yeah. like you weren't gonna not like you weren't gonna play well it was just more like oh my god the energy in here is moment. like something different i don't know what's ha- you know it just felt so strange well i was gonna say i i think that nervous energy i could tell like with our wives that were there they were nervous and like our friends that were like teching for us like our good friends i was like I felt like they were nervous, kind of excited too. And I was like, dude, no, no, no. Like, I think like Zod was like, Matt was like the only safety. And he's like, nah, man, you'll do good. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that was, was it. After the set was done, I think I went over to you, Matt, and I was like, man, I'm sorry if it wasn't good. I don't know what happened. <laughs> you Immediately were just, apologizing. You were, you were so calm that I thought that was your way of like, kind of like 
embracing me in the moment uh, saying like it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> it was really bad you'll get it in winston so don't then, worry <laughs> so then i know i sent you like a text like a couple of days later either saying things or you sent me a text or something i was like oh man oh god it just like it made me feel better about it but dude yeah, now, I was. I mean, honestly, Joe, I don't think it was until like you and I were sitting in the van, like back at the hotel, and the Instagram was kind of blowing up, and we looked at videos and we're like, "Oh, okay, you know, maybe, maybe yeah. we didn't totally blow it." You know, it seemed like it yeah. was okay. Yeah, that's crazy. I went. I was right before you started. Toby and I walked up, and Dusty and Josh were there. And before you, Dusty even turned around, I was like, "Oh, Toby, Dusty's a wreck. Look at." <laughs> it's just your your body language was just like oh my gosh Dusty uh, is really keyed up and and uh, and that was standing next to Josh who as was as calm as the calmest you've ever seen oh, a yeah. lake on a still day or something <laughs> yeah, bizarre yeah, so the contrast yeah. between you two standing together was blowing me away dude it's crazy yeah. I've, I've played like two thousand shows or something in my life and that one I was like the only one I was really nervous at man like I was like palms were sweating I was like. I told Amanda, I was like, I got to go on like a walkabout like five minutes before our set. I was like, I got to take off and go walk and breathe. I don't know what's happening <laughs> yeah. right now. But our, yeah. our tech, Kyle, said I like dug a ditch from pacing back and <laughs> forth, like back behind the stage. I felt like it, man. I was, he had to pray for me, man. He was like, he said he had never seen me like that. I was, I was fudged, dude. I was you're, like, you're yeah. so fudged. Well, it was such a huge moment. I mean, y'all haven't y'all haven't done all that. And every like it, to me, the way I felt was it was like everything that y'all had ever done all of a sudden was just right back here. Like it, somehow all that back there, those that last show six thousand days ago, whatever, all that got you to here. But y'all are different people now. But Dude, you're getting ready to play these songs that are you know y'all wrote and meant honestly, so much. Honestly, I feel like that was the most important show we ever played. Yeah. Almost. Sure. That's that's cool. <laughs> it was the show. Well, for sure. well so, so, so it much had weight. the whole. It had the whole sixteen years of because you know bands have been gotten back together and reunion, but this is one of the longest holdouts for the most anticipation for something that just fits right in this community, right in that setting. So it's like it couldn't really be more dramatic of a a build to the to the moment, really. So it, it as far as the show played, it was a, as big of a crowd as anybody could play for, whatever amount of thousands of people in that density, and the amount of meaning that it gave each one of them is a thing I think that everybody oh, can feel yeah. because, like, if you saw a show in 2005, you were, like, trying to, like, look cool or get with this chick or, like, get, get, figure out what T-shirt you might could buy. Like, you're not – that you were just – at you wanted to mosh or see what you could do. But at this thing, every single person was, like, getting stuff out of it. Like, it was meaningful and connecting, you know, all these layers of things for everybody at the same time. And that's the feeling I think you can feel is that everybody has more layers of meaning going mm -hmm. on with the event like that. Yeah, I mean, I think the event as a whole, man, the, just like the everybody being so thankful for being where they were to see any of those bands right now, you know, yeah. after, after the last couple of years, it's it's. Uh, well, yeah, then, if, you, if you think about that, Dusty, sorry, I was just going to tag on what you said, please, because Furnace Fest had been however many years, you know, what, 20 years, basically. 2003 was right? the last one. So 18 years. And then also Beloved had been 16 years. So that, that's another compound interest you got there. Yeah. And then also COVID. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, yeah, right. So yeah, like right. all this compounded on and just this, uh, just this unbelievable anticipation just created this environment that was just, yeah. you know, you couldn't, you couldn't replicate it if you, if you tried.
No, it's not possible. Yeah, it's no. a it's a it's a, a multiple w- waves there. Um, how, so how does that then? But that's still the the hometown show. How's that different feeling than that? Because that's a big thing in its own way too. Man, <laughs> did it, I mean was because uh, we weren't there? But what did what was the energy like and the people? What, like was there more moshing or more meaning or more? What, how yeah, was it different? I mean, it wasn't it wasn't it, as wild just because it was a smaller club show, you know. Um, yeah, but it was like I think the meaning was there because there were people there that would see us at like my church, like some of our first shows we ever played. Yeah, man. Some people were, were there. Dude. So I think there was like a deeper level of meaning for like people who have been there since like legitimate day one, you know? Yeah. Like high um, school, like people we went to high school, I was in class with a guy and he was up front and I saw him singing along. And after the show was done, I just talked for hours to people. And he was one of the first person first people that I talked to, he was in that band Eat Seals, Dusty. <laughs> yeah, you remember that? He, yeah, he taught me. Yeah, there was a band called Eat and, Seals uh, at our high school. They were awesome, <laughs> awesome guys. And so, I don't know, it was just weird. Like, I mean, it's been 21 years since I've seen that guy, since we played a show together. But yeah, he was like recalling some of our first shows like in our town <laughs> where people were starting to show up. He, he talked about a ludicrous show that we played, you know, uh, it, I don't know. It was just wild, man. But yeah, so it felt d- more so like s- a show. It felt more like a show than yeah. like the, the moment. Furnace Fest right. was the, was the moment. And this was like, we were capturing a bit of that, but in our hometown with people we know and love, my mom wasn't there. So I'm, I, I'll be more nervous this coming Saturday because my <laughs> mom's going to come. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it was it was awesome. Yeah, it meant a lot I, for sure. That said, I think uh, I think I'm glad we did furnace first. After all, like it kind of teetered back and forth. There was at one time we were going to mm-hmm. do a hometown mm-hmm. show first, then furnace, and then it kind of went back. But I'm I'm kind of glad we got furnace done first. You know, that was yeah. that was I think, like, that was just yeah. like something I'll never ever forget. You know, that's great. That's awesome. It, it's wild when y'all talk about like y- y'all being in high school and those high school bands and y'all were I get, were y'all a high school band. I mean, is that, I yes. mean, y- y'all, y'all we met. Pl- we played our, we played our senior around? cookout. <laughs> <laughs> I wheeled a Marshall cabinet through high school. Like I was the most badass dude ever. I was like, Oh, I'm missing first period. I got to wheel this rig through here. <laughs> Sorry. It's a little bulky. Uh, excuse yeah. me. It's <laughs> that um, big sound you were talking about, Toby. Yeah. But it's, but it's funny because like we were in college and I remember like, I didn't really know about Beloved until I think we had moved. We didn't see you guys until we had moved to Seattle. Mm-hmm. But I remember it was because we saw Hope's Fall and we were like, oh my God, what is this? Like, Hope's Fall was something I was like, what in the world? Because we're, you know, being in South Carolina and stuff, we weren't, I don't even know how y'all found cool music or to do become the band that you were and are. Because we were just listening to like Dave Matthews and 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 Hootie, and then it, then it, then we got into like Pearl Jam, yeah. and you know and stuff like that. But, but I mean, with I guess the grunge music and stuff like that. But y'all were doing stuff. But I remember, I think it was one of the guys maybe from. Ho- Did y'all play with Host Fall a decent amount? Yeah, back lot. then, a whole lot. Yeah. yeah. So I yeah. think they were telling us about you guys, but y'all were a little farther north. Mm-hmm. So for whatever yeah. reason, the shows we weren't getting to or whatever because we were down south in South Carolina on the Rock Hill side. But it's crazy when I think back to that, like. You guys in Hostfall really did create a scene there, and and we just our band couldn't have it all. 
We, we we were trying to we were trying to find other bands like us and do stuff. Yeah. And y'all had already done we it, and y'all were ready. younger than us. I think I mean, I we think were you, old. Yeah, but I mean, I think I think if you guys had waited probably like another six months or something like that. You just yeah. would have been a part of that's the same well, interesting yeah, alternate but, history. But I don't know if we would have changed. We might not. Our music. If we'd have kept going, crazy. if we decided to stay there and do the same approach, which we wouldn't have done probably. But if we did do that, then we would have connected with that North Carolina scene like that. We would yeah. have been one of those mm-hmm. Southern right. bands yeah, from the yeah. Carolinas, like Beloved and Hope's Fall. If yeah, we would have, have we wouldn't have had the influence until we moved to the West Coast to even get good enough. I mean, Devin and I played at our high school too, but we were playing like Our Lady Peace covers and tools. Yeah, I'm cool with that. <laughs> In the cafeteria. Can we do that now? Their stuff, you know. We had a ways to go. We we had to go somewhere. We knew that we were yeah. like culturally deficient somehow. Like yeah. we and we didn't even we hadn't been around punk shows or anything. And well, when we got to the West Coast, it was like faster ska and punk and all this faster yeah. stuff and it helped us like get it for sure. Yeah. It helped well, man, we were slow. I think for us, like for Joe and I, like here here in Winston, like where I live now, dude, like in high school we had like Jimmy World was coming to play a small punk club downtown. The get up kids were yeah, playing was at, scene. at the drive in was playing. And we had a we had wow. Code Seven was kind of like like half generation before us that kind of really for us kind of set that stage and then hope's fall was like a little bit ahead of us so i feel like we i mean we had it all kind of there you know like we saw the juliana theory on their first tour and and stuff like that like we were able to see a lot of these (laughs) bands and kind of you know my dad was letting me go, go to these sketchy punk clubs like my senior year of high school it's you know it, was it almost made me jealous though, because when we saw y'all in Seattle at that, uh, what was it? it? Starts with a V. The Vera, Vera Project. Project. Vera, Project. Vera Project. I was like, holy shit, these guys are good. Because I remember hearing about you, and they were going, they're good. But I was like, well, we're in a band too, or whatever. You know, you know, my, my ego or whatever. That's what. I, I was like, yeah, beloved, <laughs> that, that yeah. band's probably good. But but you know, you know, we're. I wonder if they're, you know, they're probably like us or something, you know. But but seeing y'all, I was like, holy shit, it made me kind of jealous because we had moved to Seattle and done all this, and I was like, well. Hopes Falls there, uh, Beloved is there. All this stuff is happening. I was like, man, they're they're gonna they are going to create the thing that we always wanted, and we didn't have it. I mean, we just didn't. Yeah. And granted, we were older than you guys, so there was it. That really was hard to get, you know, in the nineties yeah. for us. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's cra- wow. That's crazy to think about, though. Like seriously, I think like six more months, and you guys probably would have just been like acclimated right in that scene, jumping on tours mm-hmm. with. Under Oath and Norma Jean, like doing all the stuff we were doing, you know, playing Tremont Music Hall with us on Sunday afternoons and stuff. At the time, it was, we knew for sure that we were doing a type of music that we knew we loved and we knew that nobody else liked it. That's all we knew. So it wasn't like it was popular. Like we didn't have any, it was all we knew is everybody was just saying, but why screaming like that? Why make that? Why do that? And then it's not that much longer before. You know, Hawthorne Heights is top of the charts, and fourteen-year-old girls are talking about how they like breakdowns. Like that—that that time from the time when everybody said, "Y'all got to stop doing that crap and just sing," to when it was popular to do all that—that that was a pretty short period of time. You know, very short. Did you guys have that experience at all? Like Matt was saying, and I'll tell you a quick story, and you, you can share with me. But we we did like a DIY tour down from South Carolina down to Florida. You know, tried to just. We booked maybe a handful of shows. It was like, yeah, it was like BYOFL, you know, dot com or whatever. And, you know, we'd made a little vacation out of it, but we we had a show booked in Orlando, Florida at some some little bar. Got there. um, The bartender showed up at like doors, you know, and nobody was, you know, our name wasn't even on the sign or anything. It was like nothing like that. 
And so we're like, well, we're not going to play. I mean, nobody's even here. So we, Toby persuaded the bartender to give us like $30 for gas money. <laughs> and the, this, these, this little car of a couple of girls drove up in the parking lot. I was like, hey, you guys playing tonight? We're like, well, show's canceled, whatever. It's like, there's an open mic down the street. We're like, okay, well, we'll go down there. We go down. It's like a biker bar. So we, we roll. All these people are playing like Eric Clapton covers on acoustic guitar. And we roll in with these, with these half with stacks the and calves and all that stuff. And we start playing originals. And then we get through. It seemed like it was okay. You know, they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, they're curious. And we walk outside and roll our stuff out. And this couple guys are like, hey, good job, guys. You know, whatever. And this one uh, biker biker woman goes, you know, you guys did a pretty good job, but why y'all got to play that heavy shit? <laughs> <laughs> that, that was our experience for years in South Carolina. So do you guys ever hey, encounter anything uh, like that, like opposition to it? Yeah, hey, Joe, hold my beer for a second, dude. We, <laughs> we, 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 uh, we played one of our first shows. We played, I don't know how we got on it or what, but there was this little bar. I've never been to it. I couldn't find it now if I wanted to. It was in Greensboro. It was a place called the Game Time Lounge. It was the yeah. GT oh, Lounge, yeah. right? Yeah. So we show up at this place, man. Same type of thing. It's like the bartender's opening the doors at like seven o'clock, you know? And it's like us and this band called Spite of Opposition. I think they're from, yes. they from Wilmington, Joe. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. from the coast. They're like, this I like, just talked to Michael a day two days okay. ago. Okay, so they're like super, <laughs> super like brutal metalcore kind of stuff. And uh, we walk in and we set up, and there's like, first off, there's like no PA at all, right? It's just a stage. And then like, like the constituents of the bar start coming in, and dude, it looks like the cast of like like Sanford and stuff almost <laughs> like it's like it's like yeah just like we're, it's like a bunch of like like 65 year old like black guys coming in just like hanging out and we're like oh no this is like this isn't gonna be that type of like show that we want in a so we end up like running like a we run as a PA like through like a Marshall half stack we had like a Radio Shack mic hooked in through like a Marshall half stack as like the vocal PA. And like we play this show and the dudes are just like, they're just like dancing. <laughs> you know, dude, it was amazing, man. Uh, yeah, there's a dude there named Grady. It was super cool, man. That was um, funny. Yeah, so we had, we've had a few of those. But that's, yeah, when you started saying that, that's I thought about the GT Lounge like immediately. I just saying the way that the whole thing works is like you were doing that when you were in high school as a kid and 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 a lot of these bands were and they got so much better at it that it can become this I mean it's so crazy it's the same impulse to just figure out something like get together with people and try to do something you do it so bad so bad and then it, that same group of people can get so good and then that they can get it's, all the way to dude, that yeah. it's just crazy it's so it's wow. so funny, yeah. I think we played "Kiss It Goodbye" there, and then we encored with that song at a show, at a sold-out show. You know, the same like song. Weekend, the same song. You already yeah. had written the song that played yeah. for those men, and 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 then you just used it as an encore Saturday night. Yeah, I wonder if they were there. Man. <laughs> they might have come, dude. Fans yeah. ever since. Grady, yeah. what are you doing? Aaron, what about you guys, man? What's some uh, what's some ridiculous shows you guys have played? Oh, I got a good North Carolina. Carolina one in Fayetteville, North Carolina. That's where the army base is. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, Fayette, yeah, Fayette, dude. Vietnam, dude. Vietnam. <laughs> hey, y'all know that guy, Rookie of the Year, Ryan. Y'all know who, who that Ryan. is? Ryan. Yeah. Ryan Dunson. Yeah. Ryan Dunson from Rookie of the Year. 
we met him very early on in touring, like the first touring weekend we ever did. And from there on yeah. for years, we let him trick us into playing fake shows. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we'd be like, we'd be coming through like, Hey, we need a show. And you know, yeah, I got you something. So we're staying with him in Fayetteville. <laughs> He's like, I got you guys a show at a bar here and you'll get paid a hundred bucks or something. Like, you know, you're just like, all right, whatever. Fuck it. We'll go play whatever show. We show up. It is an open mic that you must submit your name for. <laughs> he, he puts our name and it is a contest to win the hundred dollars. <laughs> and at that time, did you have some of your landmark material that you were able to play from uh, at Furnace Fest? No, this was probably too early for that. Uh, we might have had a couple songs off that first record by that point, but it is like 2003. Um, and I mean, it's just like humiliating in a way, but we're just like, you know, we're going to go up there and give it our all. Like I, you're going to win. I gave it my all there more than I did at Furnace Fest. I swear to God. <laughs> Furnace Fest, I couldn't wait for the show to be over. I was so miserable the entire time. Knew that in 45 minutes, I'd be off stage and be the happiest I've ever been in my entire life. But in Fayetteville, North Carolina in 2003 at that open mic, I was like, Went all. I love that. God, I wish I could have seen you play. God, me too, man. (laughs) You guys are giving it your all. Win hundred dollars at TGI Friday. I compare it to a a, yeah baseball player in single A just grinding every day to like (laughs) celebrity softball game. (laughs) Furnace Fest is like the softball game when you retire. You're like, ah, fuck this shit. Celebrity (laughs) softball game. (laughs) Furnace Fest was a celebrity softball game to me. Yeah. I think I think I think next year we should try to do the the berm, like the Furnace Fest celebrity softball tournament or something like that. I'd, I'd, I'd show up for that. That'd be fun. I'd love it. Yeah. I'd love so it. Did yeah. you guys win the hundred dollars or not? I think we did. I think we actually <laughs> well, did. Win. Yeah. All right. So, All right. That's it. That's when a good lesson for kids. That's, if it wasn't for that, uh, that adversity <laughs> overcome and rewarded, you would maybe never made Dude, it. I mean, that's part of the process. You can do. You can do all things through Christ who <laughs> strengthened you. Yeah. You probably guys like you guys probably said that verse before you played. Oh, yeah. sure. Oh, and man. we definitely believed it back then for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's on that same on that same tour, that was uh, the same tour that we did. The very first show was in Little Haiti. We'd never left Greer, South Carolina. We we're now in Little Haiti and we got paid in like three cans of like corn. <laughs> <laughs> the lady just, she said, I'm sorry, here's some corn. You know, you know that, what? Dude, this what? Whole, like this whole statement of yours is like insane no. to me. We played Little Haiti <laughs> and we got paid in three cans of corn. We did. Did you guys ever play that in, club in Little Churchill's. Haiti? Churchill's. Churchill's in Little Haiti. In Miami, it ended up being like Miami, a classic Florida. club, but Jared Spenson saw us on our very first uh, tour show ever. Isn't that crazy? It was him that saw it. Now, here's the other weird show on that, too. Um, we played. Well, hey, hey, Toby, Toby Hall, sorry, 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 sorry. What did you guys do with the cans of corn? I think when we left, we were like, fuck this place, and we threw them at the stop sign <laughs> out there as we drove by. Okay. You know, made that loud clang. You paid it forward. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Continue <laughs> onward. Um, so we played this. It was. 
I forget what it was called when we booked it, but I talked to this young lady, and she was like, yeah, we're going to have a few different bands. This will be really cool. And so we get to this place, and it's a little tiny library, like a small library. I was like, whoa, this will be weird to play here, but we'll do it. And then when we got inside, they now this was what year? 19? It was 99 like 99. or 2000. It's probably 99 2000. probably. I think it was 99 because then the next year, I, I'm pretty sure it's 99. Um, we get in there. And the lady, we're talking, and I was like, oh, this library is really cool. You know, and I started looking at a few of the books, and I was like, I started seeing, and, I was, and she said, yeah, this is an LGBT uh, library. And I had no idea what that meant. I did not at the time. I was, I did, I was like, what are these? I thought it was something to do with the library. <laughs> it was letters. <laughs> I L- thought it was totally, and I was okay, like, cool. oh, yeah. Library. Oh, cool, yeah. L- LGBT, yeah, that's cool, like the Dewey Decimal System or something. I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> and then when we walked around and saw the books, all the books were about, uh, you know, homosexuality. A lot of them were, uh, you know, about homosexuality or uh, I don't even remember now, but yeah, about it LGBTQ. Was very progressive, yeah. Yeah, and of course – Christian Toby kicked in. I was like, I, I'm I'm going to have to say the name of Jesus during our set because there's some lost people. <laughs> and I did. I was like, I just want y'all to know that we serve Jesus Christ and he means everything to us. And he'll meet you wherever you're at and whatever you're going through. We just pray for you. If you, knew, if you want to pray with us after, <laughs> you know, just a total oh, yeah. asshole yeah. idiot that had no clue what he's talking about. And uh, just saying that. But we also saw a, one of the best bands rock. ever. Yeah. Yeah. What was that band called? They were called Ivy Labs. They were Ivy, Ivy Labs. Labs. It was like so math they were very experimental. It was really, it was really I awesome. I mean, it was, that was Yeah, that was like our first experience with a, yeah. with a band like that. So that, that definitely pushed us in that direction. Dude, I love like when you're on tour and like you play like like one out of 25 times there's an opening band and you're like, oh, like they're doing so oh yeah real, like this yeah. is a yep. sick band you know oh i know it's like you it's like you can always like remember like those bands it's like they know? always have this energy or something that's there's very unique so it's like oh they have their own sound whatever this group of people is they have their own thing and it's like dude. they have an identity right away or something yeah. well dude for us for us acidies burn like was one of those man we played at like a church with those guys where was that was that like mississippi Jackson. or something like that it was Jackson, Jackson Mississippi. Yeah. I remember. Like, I, remember. I remember that show. The stage was like crazy. I totally remember it. I was thinking about it the other day, actually. Yeah, I remember that show. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was fun. We got at, we, we were like the only Gulf Coast band really in that scene. Like, there wasn't a hardcore scene or really at all in the Gulf Coast. And so we just kind of like got in there. And then every cool show that came through, we'd get asked to play. But that developed into a little bit of scene because whatever that bar we played in that one time where there was the balcony and they were moshing some band. No, it wasn't the Spanish Moon, though. There was some other club we played down there um, where it was a band, Toby, if you remember, and it was like a local band that had gotten back together. Yeah. And and I mean, those people in Louisiana or Baton Rouge, I mean, they really had a, a wild crowd, like really good scene like you know this was later on like because that's the way in a lot of these places there was no scene and then one came and stuff so in louisiana by eventually they had this mosh culture that was like they were really going off it just like just a terrific show there and it was like some local band but they would been after your time so it's weird how you know that that you know kind of yeah yeah, we planted the seed yeah (laughs) you did (laughs) paved the way baton rouge at least because who else was 
who else was doing stuff that you could really there you wasn't. know and then, no, and it was then all college, after you there was college bands like college rock yeah. you know yeah, exactly. like uh, better right. than Ezra or whatever that was it was hootie for in south carolina and then eventually i mean now it's just a great place to play like new brooklyn started getting good shows and stretch and all the other bands yeah. and and then eventually really good stuff and there's you know so all that is just it's really you know it's uh it's something weird about about those scenes because they they happened before it was commercial or something like yeah. it happened on its own right. and then it, the whole thing became commercial well, at once, it's like li living sacrifice in little rock because i lived in little rock from aged 12 to 19 or whatever and like they made it where we had a good venue to like see you know yeah. vino's like they kind of built that in a way Mm -hmm. because they were good and got out and became like got national notoriety and then barry pointer started getting bands to come to him to make records so yeah, yeah. it's weird the way that stuff and gets i going. love that venue dude yeah oh, Joe, i remember playing great i remember playing vinos and being like oh like yeah this is really living sacrifice place i have a funny beloved For vino sure. story so i mean we had played with you guys already but we were going to be on a corner so we didn't know y'all and I was back home in Arkansas, and I came to y'all's show at Vino's. And I walked up to Joe. Yeah. I walked up to Joe after the show to talk to him. And I was like, hey, man, uh, I, don't, I, I mean, I probably said what band I was in. I think you kind of, oh, hey, what's up? And I was like, <laughs> I was like hey, we're playing Cornerstone. Like, what do you think we should do about merch? <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? You were nice. But you, you were just like, basically, as fuck if I know, like, you know, in your head. Like. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, that, but, that's amazing. You know, we're, we're probably the wrong band to ask about, like, merch for Cornerstone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, it was yeah, 2004. That, it was our first Cornerstone. So, well, well here's what I'm talking Here's what I've kind of always wondered about <laughs> Beloved, and I want to get into Beloved a little bit here for a second. So you guys stopped. You said your final show was January of 20, 2005. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So you guys were on the rise in the 2005, and you stopped playing right at the pinnacle of the scene that you were in, correct? <laughs> Ultimately, like 05, yeah. 05 to 08, right? Isn't that that yeah, was basically so. the true yeah. peak of it all. So I've, I've always wondered this and I've all, and I don't have a specific question, but it was around that time and, and failure on had been out for how long? When did failure on get released? Uh, June 24th, 2003, something like that. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Something like that. Right. Joe. <laughs> He's got the exact date. <laughs> dang, dang rain, man. <laughs> just, awesome. just give me a second. I'll, I will confirm. That sounds about right. That, I mean, that's probably right. And I mean that, so I've always thought like, yeah, the 24th. So beloved, it was a thing where I was like, I think everybody thought this and we talked about this multiple times, but if you guys had continued on and you know, I'm not saying anything specific about that, but if you guys had continued on, you probably would have been just a massive band. Right. Mm -hmm. I Maybe. mean, obviously there's always a what if and who knows and a whatever, mm -hmm. but I mean, under oath, you guys were kind of on a similar trajectory. It was kind of a, you know, similar vibe in some ways. And it was very, very catchy, very, very just amazing music. And it it probably would have skyrocketed you guys. That's the way it just feels. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's what everybody would have thought would have happened. What have you guys thought about obviously you have, but what do you think about that? 
man, I, who who knows? You know, Joe, like, remember when we were doing the record with Garth and he told us, uh, we might have been like an elevator or something with him, but he was like, you have your whole life to write your first record. But, you know, you only have like a year or something like that to write your second one. So it's yeah. like, for us, it was really just like, that challenge of like, where are we going to go next? You know? Um, yeah. So, I mean, who knows, man, we could have written like a really badass record or we could have written like a turd. Right. Could have yeah, done an sure. I said burn made an indie rock record. Yeah. Dude, you guys, I would love to do what you guys did. Well, ACB's the shit. other band. Yeah, stop but that's the other band track. in the same tra- trajectory yeah. that it's like, Oh, the right. next under oath. Is it, is it these two bands? Is it whatever, you know? And so ACB made a, a left turn there and you guys didn't even, you know, make the sophomore attempt. So those right, are both yeah. fascinating, but yeah, you could have made a record and thought, Oh, we're this. And like, maybe it wouldn't have been, and maybe it wouldn't have been, but it seems like yeah. it w- would have, you know? And then on the other hand, you may have missed a lot of, you know, the bad years. Like if you get all right. ramped up into that, then you got to try to make it from Oh nine to now, <laughs> like somehow, like, right. you know, and that, yeah, that right. was kind of rough. Actually. I did that. It was kind of rough. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, <laughs> I tried it. Yeah. We don't, I don't have the experience that you guys do in those <laughs> tough years when yeah, Nothing things just kind of naturally moved away from did that style of music. I, I don't know. I was doing hardcore and the almost, so it was like, I was doing the two opposite in this, ends of the spectrum not in the middle mm-hmm. you know so right. what was that like for you guys i felt like you know this the the moment i really feel that it's the scene was real and community driven kind of thing that m- became commercial and then once it's commercial it really starts to attract a whole different layer and for a while that's awesome because everybody can win together and things go up and you, mm-hmm. there is more everything for everybody and that's great but then the people that brings with it are people that are there for other reasons and then the music that gets inspired by that and the oversaturation of stuff and then you feel like people eventually you come to think screamo bands are embarrassing to when you see them you know, but you're, yet you're still a screamo band. But then when you watch a screamo band that's a, a a new one that started in 2008 or nine, you think that doesn't even. It's like for, for whatever reason that starts to feel embarrassing. Like that's not. It's like how a, to, it's right. like a parody. Yeah, right. and, no, I, yeah, I feel that. And so that that's always it's like. Well, do we not like what we do, or how is it just like you don't like bands after? Like, what is that? There's something weird about all that. But th- then there has to be after such a big boom, there has to be a decline that has to happen. Mm-hmm. And then what happens next? Right. And this is never. This is not. This is kind of new territory because there was you know Motley Crue got back together. There's all these bands, but starting with like the Get Up Kids and these bands that have been around, and then reuniting and breaking up or making it through. There's never been. Been, there's never been all this wave of bands that it can exist 10 and 20 years later there's so many now um that 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 this a new frontier of like what happens next because we've been through the boom and then the something and then the new thing and now we're at this digital age so it just seems like i don't know it's there's a whole new way to look at it now but we've been through some stuff i feel like i watched a video less than a few years ago of like how just a band being together for a certain amount of time through the ups and downs and the trends and the different sounds that come into play. If they can just stay together for like, it's like a 15 to 20 year window. They can solidify themselves as like a, a legendary band (laughs) just in, in a way just by doing that. And it might, I 
I can't remember who it was. It was one of these guys that talks about like heavy music on a YouTube thing. And he was like, yeah, that's what happened with Pantera. Or that's what happened with like, they had their ups and downs. They wrote a stinker of a record compared to their earlier stuff later. Like a lot of people didn't like uh, the great Southern trend kill or Mm -hmm. something like that compared to their earlier stuff. But just, um, you know, they, they obviously ended up breaking up soon after that. There's lots of bands where they had their, their big, their, their big albums and their second or third or fourth album was the stinker. So they kind of held on tight and they kept playing shows. And now they're at this legendary point where, where now they're back in the same venues, selling out the venues that they were selling out when they were on the, their right. meteoric rise mm-hmm. before their fall, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. And I think it just has to do with, uh, you know, going through the cycles of what, it, who is the audience and the crowd and where they're at and trends have to, you have to get repulsed by a trend when it gets overdone. You have to. But yeah. that doesn't mean it wasn't good or what, what the things were for. And emo and and hardcore are going to stick around forever. I mean, they're part of music history now. I mean, they will be. They, so yeah. you know, whoever can be those bands and represent it, it kind of st- seems important again. And now all the commercial stuff's gone, and we're back to a community, community-oriented community kind of scene. It's, it's like uh, Hawthorne yeah. Heights, right? They've stuck around. They can't do huge tours on their own, but they just did that uh, Census Fail Hawthorne Heights mm-hmm. and uh, Bayside. Bayside, and it's like selling out yep. two thousand cap rooms. Yep, I mean that's just nuts. The, they can just still do that. It's great. So. great. It gets yeah, to that man. point. It gets to that point where it's like, yeah, like Third Eye Blind and Sugar Ray are going on a tour together. Yeah, and it's like right. holy, you know, five six thousand people a night kind of thing. It's like everybody. Oh yeah, I like that band. I like all those bands. You know, I'll go to yeah. that. So yeah, yeah. Well, really cool. Our next level, we're really looking to for Emory is. <laughs> We're really looking for the casino circuit. That's our. Uh, our yeah, we were talking about that, dude. I mean, we're, when we're in that, that I mean, that's just I the glory want. days for us. I'm coming back. Beloved and Emory at the Tropicana. <laughs> no, we're gonna get a residency in Vegas. Is my new vision oh, where we have to yeah. live in Vegas. You make a ton of money, and every night is beloved ACB and Emory. But <laughs> the that. crowd comes. Every, you know, we just we do yeah. it five nights a week. You know, yeah, twice we on the weekends. Henderson and we, you, everybody. <laughs> you just that's it. I mean, yeah. if we can sell out, if we can sell out shows for life, like Celine Dion. We'll yeah. be good to go, right? Yeah. I mean, she's got a, a, for her whole entire life is sold out. <laughs> if it That's was crazy. between Penn and Teller and Celine Dion and a a, a play, uh, what's the you know, and Cirque du Soleil, all that, or an emo show, screamo hardcore show, it's a certain amount of people would choose that. Oh yeah, oh, every yeah. gonna be a, there's gonna. There's gonna be a Cirque du Soleil hardcore show. You know, they're gonna spell like <laughs> hardcore with a K and like an oomph over the O or something like that. Something will happen along those lines. Who knows what it'll oh, be? Sure. Maybe it'll be an emo night residency or something. You know, but it, yeah. there'll be something. They already have emo night Vegas, right? Isn't it like Probably. a like a three day weekend? There, there's some kind of like mu- music fest. This coming oh, the, like yeah, yeah, you're right. Ends. Yeah. That I saw Something this going like to happen that. too. So they're they're trying. I mean, Vegas has been hurting because of COVID, so they'll probably try whatever they can. But that would be wild. It'll probably be more like uh, these uh, Nashville musicians that can just play or sing anything, and they'll go and perform a medley of all the bands. Yeah. Oh, probably. Gross. Probably. I mean, it, it, I mean, it won't be. And, and, so and everybody gross. will go. And, yeah. It'll just be a bunch of It'll be gross, uh, you yeah. know uh, bachelorette parties <laughs> going and dancing Yuck. to Gosh, some young hot guy I that can sing that. and do everything. Yeah, you're probably dudes right. and dudes, dudes in true religion jeans playing get up kids. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably awful. exactly that's right. Awful, man. That's what we'll they'll, yeah. they'll be rich people that get to do that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, and they'll love it. 
<laughs> oh man, that is hilarious. <laughs> the um, it it'd be it's. Uh, I think of that whole thing as the legacy act of the legacy music business in a way. Like it'll it'll be there, but then there's all these new things to do too that'll be. I think, and that's why I think the gr- the old grunge bands and Sugar Ray and all that. They're that's cool and that'll exist for our scene. But these bands at Furnace Fest and the things that are happening now from our DIY scene that was more legit like that. That music didn't come from as much of a developed scene as ours, where the community was as much a part of it. And so, yeah, our these bands that are at Furnace Fest have a whole lot more energy, and it's like it's not like this funny Smash Mouth act like Lunsford's saying that Lunsford's kind of holds that end of it up but really the bands are also like good and really putting in the effort and sounding good and looking good and all that kind of thing so it's kind of and if we can do digital stuff and new stuff and I don't know there's a lot to do that'll be not the and then there's always the legacy act where you can play the festival thing or or whatever well like our 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 like our peers and stuff like that it seems like we're that first generation of bands that really like rolled through with social media underneath us Mm -hmm. that like almost like we use that as a tool. We're like that first generation of bands that really put that underneath us to like interact and, and, and form that community that you were talking about. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. none of those bands before mm-hmm. us had anything like that. Nobody could write a blog or anything like that before, you know, you'd see a video, like a interview on 120 minutes with, with like Dimebag Daryl or whatever, or, or, you know, somebody, but you would never, you right. know, read a, read a, you know, blog post from Aaron Gillespie or something. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, there definitely is a more of a connection for sure. I think that's that's probably what will strengthen that community more so than like you know you know somebody to Metallica or yes. even though Metallica is yeah. going to be one of the biggest bands forever until they yeah. are dead probably, but the fans are just fans. They're just fans of this music that they heard in the eighties and and nineties. And so, but for us, like Dusty said, I mean, it's going to be like, they are going to remember not only the music, but also the relationship that was built between the music and the social media and the, you know what I mean? The path that was Mm -hmm. taken from the birth to wherever they are now. Totally. Different. Yeah, and that's what we're. I, I don't know if people even really know about the community project we are doing together for Beloveds for the hometown show they just shot. So I don't. I mean, we did that just easily by putting it out to the the relative communities, the to the label community, knuckle breakers, and the Furnace Fest group to shoot and tape that hometown show and do it in a real high quality way. We sent our crew out. We just put it in those groups and raised the money immediately to pay for the flights and hard drives. And then people donated their, you know, these really talented people in our scene are people like Zach who are shoot video and are at this extreme high level of of technical and artistic ability and they grew up beloved and emory fans they're their favorite bands and then they have all these skills and are like donate their time to do this kind of stuff to just preserve it and hate five six does that where it's just there's this whole thing's worth preserving and doing and i think there's new quality levels to do it so we, we're going to make this beloved production we raised three thousand dollars going to do the full mix on it and make we captured all the audio um and everything and we're going to release it to everybody so everybody could see beloved's hometown show with some extra interviews and all that kind of stuff and it'll be free for everybody and it's because of people like zach who did that and then particularly in the groups uh Elena is very involved with the Furnace Fest group and all that. And there's so many people that donate their time and effort to like help these groups 
and the fans and the bands and everybody interact on their level and everything. And this particular one, the craziest thing about it is the whole project, we had no idea, uh, even a thought of doing it until after Furnace Fest, about six days out, uh, Katie was saying that, are, are, we, are they going to film it? And I was like, yeah, but... I don't think they even have anybody, and it's too bad we can't do anything. But, I mean, it's like next week, and it's whatever. And she goes, well, maybe you can do it still. I was like, well, I don't think so. I, I said, there's no way we can do it. How can we do something in a few days and, and do it? She's like, well, you should ask Dusty if they have anybody coming or anything. So I texted Dusty, texted a few people, and then a few minutes later, it's like, okay, well, if we can raise a little bit of money, if people want this, we'll just do it. And so Katie is like her whole – basically her – you know, idea and she's pushed it through and ran with it. So she's basically, she's the producer of this as her idea. And I said, I'll do the audio mix and she handled the rest. And, you know, I was on an airplane. I didn't go to the, none of us went, <clears throat> were able to go to the show or anything. So, you know, and now everybody else is going to hear about it and get to participate. And I don't know what, you know, what we'll do with it. It'll take a little while to produce, but it's pretty neat that that just all came out organically. There's nothing really very centralized about it. It's just a community member's idea asking questions. And here it is. So crazy. Yeah, how, how were they? Amazing. Yeah, tell us about the night and, and that crew and, and that whole thing. They were amazing. Yeah. I got I got to hang out with uh Zach and them uh pretty much the whole day before the show and I'm 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 sitting here in a tattoo shop right now, um, and they followed me around and did a lot of cool stuff and just kind of captured some moments and during the day leading up to the show and we got to eat tacos together. It was awesome. They were really cool. Really nice <laughs> See, people. Cool. Yeah, Zach. Zach pulled uh, all of us, I think, except for Johnny, upstairs and and kind of did like the interviews or whatever with us. But man, like Zach, he was awesome. Just like the, it was just like an awesome talk with a awesome dude. You know? Came yeah, with, I liked hearing came, hearing about what they had going on in their lives and stuff too. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like he's so freaking good and like. Like Katie, she was incredible, you know, like came right up, like she got everything set and organized in there. And then she was like, hey, you guys, you want me to like count your merch in or do anything like that? I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, like you've been busting your tail and here you are just still helping us do more stuff. So, yeah. Well, was, she, she has to work. She loves it. <laughs> She's awesome. Yeah. 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 She's but not working. She feels at, For someone like Katie, and I'll just give you an example at Furnace Fest. She wasn't going to have to do anything on Saturday. We were like, just go enjoy yourself, watch bands, whatever. She was like, but do you have like any work for me to do? She, you know, I mean, she was looking for stuff to do. So yeah. the fact that she was in control, not in control, but headed up this project and was there, I promise you it made everybody else involved, not necessarily, I'm not saying you guys specifically, but the crew and everybody feel them much better that she's actually concerned and worried that everything's going to go well. So that was awesome. That, that is wild that. that it, that it, in a one week, you can raise three thousand dollars. It and like send out the, mobilize the, a crew. the want yeah. and desire and connectedness of it actually really did. I mean that quickly because I that's what I thought. I was like, ah, this is really tight. I don't see how this is going to happen. Maybe we can just try to pay for it and figure it out or something. And it just happened like in two days. Yeah. Well, man, I mean, it's, 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 crazy. it's all that. I think it like hit at a perfect time. Kind of coming off a of furnace fest, you got all those groups that are just like it's. It's at that, that like Furnace Fest like renewed a bunch of us like you know we're still riding high off of Furnace Fest but it's like all the the festival goers and stuff too man I can tell like in those I'm a part of those groups too and seeing like 
all these new posts every yeah. day and stuff like that. Like everybody, it's it's really well, really I, encouraging. I'm, I'm excited for you guys too because the fact that you get to you got to capture that moment that was extremely special for you and your band and your hometown, and you're gonna you're gonna get to have that forever in a extremely high quality format <laughs> yeah. that you get to yeah. actually yeah. enjoy and have and remember. You know, I mean, I think that's really, really yeah. It special. just makes that experience free for everybody in the world, just because right. the community just all chips in and does it with no nothing. And there's, like, we'll put it on YouTube. I mean, it's just that easy. Like, there's no industry involved or anything. So, to my in my mind, um, it just completes this real story or something of how. Uh, I know. I mean, I'm probably overdoing it, but I almost feel like our the Christian scene, which is now, I'm sorry to say it, but I think of it as the post-Christian scene. I know people don't always like that language, but it's like a bunch of grown-up Christians that are beyond their earlier immature bullshit. And there was a lot of people, our scene was like really good and really good on music and really good on community and really good on all that stuff, but it didn't always interface that well with the broader community and stuff. You hear stories of Christians being shitty to the other bands and stuff like that, and now it's like the bands are mature, the fans are mature, the community is mature, and I feel like we and that Furnace Fest culture, whatever that is, is is fostered online because of the groups and how well they're run and people having a shared you know, purpose and, you know, care about stuff. And so it's like now that whole scene can pay back and like provide good experiences. Be Like, I think we can all, we have a really strong, healthy culture now more than it was, and it can achieve a lot you know, together now kind of a thing. So it's like our If we all get vaccinated. If we all get vaccinated. <laughs> there it is. But it's those people that come from churches and community groups and that whole thing that we're trying to do, like at, at Mars Hill and everywhere, we're trying to do these, you know, we're trying to do this positive community stuff. And, and that's where, you know, the Calvary chapels were doing it and the people doing the all ages movement. They're trying to do stuff for kids and people to have a space and whatever. So I think that's in the DNA of our particular scene, I think, is gonna really you know matter in the next set of you know years going forward now that we can expand digitally and do more types of experiences Okay, pardon the interruption, but not to be even that far off topic here. Uh, there's something about metal and hardcore and heavy music that just goes along with Halloween and spookiness and stuff like that, and all the darkness in it. Uh, this is the Devil Wears Prada you're hearing right now from their album Z2. The song's called Contagion. It fits right in with a Halloween kind of vibe. Um, and so Solid State Records, your favorite heavy label of all time, is doing a 13 days of Halloween vinyl sale. It starts on October 13th, and there's going to be a vinyl title from their store that's on sale for 50% off every single day. And they're going to pick a winner every day that's going to get a free copy of each title. So it'll be kind of a fun game going on uh, this October. Uh, They're going to do it every weekday for the 13 days leading up to Halloween. And the way to keep track of it and to participate is from Solid State's Instagram. So go to Instagram, find the Solid State account now. uh, Make sure you don't miss anything. It'll also be the place where you can win the free copies. You know, that's just where this is going to occur. So go win some vinyl. 
Go get some vinyl at half off. You know, continue to celebrate October with this heavy music you like so much. Solid State Records, 13 days of Halloween vinyl sale. Yes. I hadn't been able to stop this thought in my head, and I know this happened before Matt was talking about community, so I'm sorry, Matt, to change the subject. That's all right. But Devin was like, y'all have a high-quality uh, <laughs> capture of this uh, this special event in your life, and all I could think about was <laughs> that Dusty shows it at his funeral. <laughs> I was like, what if you saw dead Dusty laying in his casket like with, like with a, a lime green Jackson? <laughs> Just dead, and, and that show's playing on the big screen. Behind him. <laughs> just, just, like, cool. just, cool. just out, and that, just awesome close-ups and, and just, HD right behind us. Just ends, so the funeral cool. ends with a slow clap. Yeah, Dusty, <laughs> Dusty, that would be awesome. And you probably wouldn't use a Jackson. You don't. You don't use That's a awesome. Jackson guitar. He does not use a uh, Jackson. No, I've, I don't think I've ever had a Jackson. <laughs> Me either. Uh, Joe and I have a deal um, that whoever, like we've revisited this since. Um, I don't know. If it's, it's the weirdest thing. I don't. When did we come up with this? Early uh, beloved days? Yeah, probably like 2001. It was probably around Y2K. Um, <laughs> we came up with this. <laughs> but it's like whoever dies first. <laughs> like we, I think we, we, so we, we buy this item first, right? I think, I feel like we agree on the said item. So what we want to do is like buy like a medieval gauntlet and like the person, whoever dies first, you know, they're dead, but the other person like puts it on and this like, this like beautiful ceremony and they walk down the aisle and just like punch through the face in the open casket <laughs> of the other person wearing this medieval get like it's uh, the weirdest gauntlet. thing. We thought it was yeah. so funny. I don't know. We thought it was like uh, pretty awesome to do, but like now that we have kids and stuff, you're like, yeah, that's really <laughs> messed up. Yeah. That's, but, yeah uh, I, I mean, like I, it. I don't I, like it as much. Deal's a deal, man. You know, so we'll just have to, as parents, explain that to our kids. Y'all's first. deal is to make your, fa- your, your family members hate you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 <laughs> All of Dusty's family would hate you if but, you actually but did that. <laughs> when the DVDs play or you know the videos yeah. playing up there they'll be cool again. Right? That is true. <laughs> they'll remember my face after it's like in a billion pieces after Joe's punched through it, you know. I think I'm I think I'm probably going to die first. I just have a feeling. Oh, dude. <laughs> That's exactly. Know, no, Do you have no, a no, death no, feeling? <laughs> hey, who of us is going to die first? Let's go there. No, no, I I I would rather be right than be wrong. You know, I don't know. I feel like it'd be much cooler if 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 everyone was like, "Dude, he said he was gonna die first. Yeah. Like that's Toby, crazy." Toby, who do you, you want to make a bet? You want to make who, a bet? Who will die first? Yeah, yes. you like to bet. I, out of all of us? No, but, uh, let's no just see between and, me and Joe. Me I don't want to get too morbid. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it probably would be Joe. Dang. I just think Joe. Yeah. Something, something will happen. Dusty just feels like he's going to, you know, keep it cool, going to enjoy it and stuff like that. You might try something crazy. Are you are you crazier than Dusty? Like, would you try something no. crazier? Or, or is Dusty point, crazy? No, I don't yeah. know. I think Dusty's probably a little crazier. I feel I mean, like y'all, I can, jump, uh, y'all jump off of stuff, shoot guns, do any of that. Uh, <laughs> neither guns. of us do that, dude. Well, I have I have gun. I think gun. I think it's because if, if Joe died, it would feel tragic. Like, oh my God. But if Dusty died, it'd be like, oh, Dusty. <laughs> Oh, oh, shit. Dusty Dusty dead. Dead. 
<laughs> but if Joe dies, it's like serious. Yeah. If, if Joe dies, it's like lambgoat.com, like front page yeah. news. Yeah. What, a, what a loss yeah. to the scene. Well, yeah. I feel like I can see Dusty in the future. Like I can see Dusty, you know, just at a, at a bar, you know, just kind of hanging out, you know, just chilling. But I can't quite see Joe. I'm not sure what Joe will be. No, Joe and I, when he's Joe and I are going to be five. We're going to be at Bojangles at five o'clock in the morning. There you go. Yeah, that's that's senior coffee. That sounds good. Get that. Oh, that sounds yeah. so good. Get God, that free that senior coffee good. every morning. Ooh. Reading the paper. That's me and Joe. We can't wait. I'm not going to the one on 66, bro. I'm not doing it. <laughs> My dad loves to tell me how often uh, the the lady can't believe he gets the senior discount. <laughs> he loves telling me that. Every time we're on the phone, he tells me, it. I, I said, where's my discount? She goes, you're not over 65. I go, <laughs> Let me, I, I pull out my license, showed her right there. <laughs> like, good Lord. Did y'all see, uh, did y'all see uh, Tom Cruise at the Dodgers game looking awesome? wild no i didn't see that this is the first i've always thought he aged amazing i mean all the action movies he does still does the stunts all that stuff but i mean there was something weird about his face i mean it looked like i don't know if it was like he got a bunch of filler or something like he looked like chubby Hmm. but but he it did not look the same i mean i was like oh my god he's getting old that's it i mean Yeah. yeah there's there's that that when you just get pushed off the peak, oh. you just have to start rolling down, you know? Weird. Just, well, you don't see him in between press and stuff yeah, right. in movies. So maybe we just kind of caught him <laughs> yeah, in a real Yeah, you always see push. him 10 out of 10. Like, yeah. Yeah, let him live. Yeah. But his his um, one moment goodness. like that is like my every Ooh. day. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. I, wish I, could look like, I wish I could look like Tom Cruise at the Dodger game. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even pretend like Tom Cruise should get to just live. That is not true. No. He has been. He is a. He is a simple wow. sacrifice that he has made to society as a whole to be something different than a person. And it ain't no person that he is. So get off of that. There's no chance for him to. Be, you think he could? Be, if you let him be a normal person, you think he can be one? No, oh, of no, course he, not. No, of course no, no, not. No, 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 of course not. And and he he's made that sacrifice blood. for he you has and to I. Do bad things, you know. He's made he, that sacrifice. He's made that sacrifice of being a person. He forfeited that for us all. He is not a person. He yeah, can't. Man, be. He looks crazy. Yeah, <laughs> you looking? Wow, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> Especially because I mean, man. What is that damn movie? I was trying to remember that he was in. He looks so good in that. Mo- you remember the one where like they come to? He's Irish or something. He comes to America. Yeah, and they have to get far the and land. away. Oh, far and away. Oh, God, I've never Lee, does he look good in that? I'm, oh my God, the movie's with great. Nicole Kidman, right? Nicole yeah, Kidman, I think Nicole Kidman's in. That's when they started dating and yeah. got married. Mm. But it didn't. Okay, it did make me think because uh, last night I looked at that and I, I started going through it with Jess, my wife, and I was trying to think. All time best looking actor of all time. No actor. matter what, best looking. Is he? Any generation. Is he still Mormon? Scientology. Uh, Scientologist. 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 Okay. He's okay. like head. He's like up, up yeah, top. I think. Top. Yeah, he's high. Best same act, thing. Best looking actor Warren. of all time. Like any generation. Yeah, it could be any generation. Mm-hmm. I made a list. Okay. Uh oh. All right. You mean give me, this is the first yeah, one? Your mind because I yeah, yeah, just watched this movie at the. A labeled show we did okay. Antonio Banderas <laughs> <laughs> hey, in that movie Desperado yep, yep, yep. he is there, 
he there are some scenes where his face you just can't believe it. Okay. You are a fifty five year old woman. Yeah. I'm serious. Next is the Michael Landon. <laughs> Michael Landon. Yeah, on Toby's list. Hey, Michael Landon. <laughs> Michael Landon Show. does look good. All right. Then I thought about Michael like uh, uh um Will Smith. Will Smith in some Smith? of his movies. He's, really, he's a, great looking. I mean, he's always been buff. And I, I mean, what about Independence Day? He looks no, amazing in that movie. Just, just under Michael Landon. Yeah, right under Michael Landon. Tom and, uh, yeah, I think uh, this is a deep cut. Christopher Plummer, Young and the Sound of Music. Yeah, I, maybe so. But I don't, are you being serious? <laughs> okay, let me make some. What, what about Paul Rudd? Paul all Rudd's time? the best yeah. looking of all time. I don't think he can go Rob, all time. I mean, he Robert he Redford, Robert, Robert Redford, 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 Redford Young, yes. But, wow, but, he's yeah. I mean, some of his young pictures, pics of him are unbelievable. But I mean, don't you think? I think it's Brad Pitt. I think Brad Pitt think is the, would, he would hottest, the best most. looking. It comes to everybody's mind the most for sure. He yeah. maintains for sure. He was the highest well, that's what's crazy. Looks. His maintenance I, is unbelievable. Because look at uh, Johnny Depp. His maintenance has not been good. Johnny Depp is well, not a good-looking man anymore. He kind of went the weird British route a little bit, you know. He kind of went that direction. So he he he, can't, he he went off the straight and narrow path of Brad Pitt. Tom Cruise has got to be in there, right? Tom, I mean, again, I think y'all again, are biased. Thing, I think y'all I are trying to be biased that though, about to Tom older. Cruise because they think of him as an alien. He's a weirdo. <laughs> Everybody knows that. So he's, he looks good, good looking. but he looks good, but not in a way that. You know, it's it's a- what about Richard Gear. That's a good one. <laughs> I mean, Richard Gear. He is a good one. Who was that? And a woman. pretty woman. Yeah. Yeah, he's always had gray hair. It looks so yeah, good. I don't he's think I've ever seen it. Time. I know who. Uh, <laughs> man, I, I guess my definition of what looks good is just different because, and this guy is still alive. He's older than everybody, and he just did a movie. Clint Eastwood. Oh, just always oh he's in there. Like, yes. he's great. I mean, he's unbelievable. Dude, I mean, the guy that played Thor, Chris Hemsworth or whatever. I mean, that is a beautiful man. He is. Yeah, he is. What about The Rock then? Mm. <laughs> he's not good looking, he's, he's, though. You know, he's great, but I, I wouldn't call him best looking ever. What about Denzel? Denzel's probably on that top 10. I, mean, I sure. think it Maybe has to be Brad Pitt. Five, I sure. think overall, I just think with his longevity. It would be top 10. And, I mean, he. But the Who, other problem, we're naming people that are also amazing actors. Because, like, yeah. Paul Walker. He was good. He looked good, but not a great actor. Right. So you're biased by how good, a, how much you like their movies. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a part of it. I think that's part of it. Brad Pitt's been You know, I think it's actually as, really as good looking. Anybody. I, I promise you, I think this guy is very <laughs> handsome. Is Ryan Reynolds. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, th- oh, I, I saw the free man. I saw the free guy. Free I just watched it was with it, Georgia, and it was, was really, it good? really good. It was very it well composed, very well. Co- it was very cohesive. The the levels of what they're t- doing with technology and like how, like the, wow. the, 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 um, the sociological worldview, whatever's built into the writing is really, really good. Um, but his acting yeah, but the job, bulge in his pants. The, his <laughs> acting right? job is there's something <laughs> That's about why it I watch. that bothers me, and it's the only thing he does is play Buddy the Elf as a character. That's the problem with it. It's like Buddy the Elf. He plays he plays it exactly like somebody said. Okay, think Buddy the Elf. Go and then. But other than that, the whole movie. I think it's just a really, really wow. well composed uh, story and uh, allegory or whatever it is. You know, he's kind of figured out a pretty good. Um, 
a formula because women love him because he's good looking and men love him because he's funny sarcastic mm-hmm. so he's got the niche that he's that puts him pretty high up i think for people yeah his movie just friends that's one of my top oh, five comedies of all time i love it yes yeah it is unreal have you seen van wilder <laughs> <laughs> I th- I can't believe that that movie is actually based off Burt Kreischer. Is it? Yes. That is the movie that's based on him. Yes. Oh no way. No yeah, way. That's his. Yeah. That's his story. Wow, I didn't know that. I feel like I don't know any. I have no clue who any of these people are. <laughs> I've seen like one percent of the movies so far that you guys. Have- Joe's with you on Michael I'm Landon. So bad. And then after that, it's <laughs> Joe knows know, Highway know to Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Joe watched Highway he, to Heaven so he, much. He turned into a werewolf one time, and I still want to find that episode. You got <laughs> on Highway to Heaven? heaven. He, he turned into a werewolf. Really? What yes. are you talking about? On Highway I, to Heaven? I promise you. No. I promise you. And also, yes, Impossible. he did, dude. Imp- uh, no, I'm dude. I'm going to right now. I'm, yeah, you go up. to the internet. That was a good uh, I'll man, tell you the, the episode that I remember of Highway to Heaven is he's at a bar and this guy's uh, trying to start a fight and Michael Landon pulls him outside into the alleyway and the guy goes, what are you doing? <laughs> and he punches Michael Landon in the face. Michael Landon looks at him and then goes, and the guy, okay, punches, never mind. The guy punches him again and Michael Landon goes, you only have to turn the cheek once. And then Michael Landon beat his ass. Hey, Tubby, how'd he look? How'd he look doing it? Oh, he's sweaty and, and <laughs> glistening and all that good stuff. Okay, oh. I really got my facts mixed up here. Um, Joe, Joe, what were you thinking? Teen Wolf? Michael Landon. Michael Landon was in a movie in 1957 called I Was a Teenage Werewolf. (laughs) (laughs) But I saw it. (laughs) I saw it. (laughs) (laughs) Scientist uses a temperamental temperamental teenager as a guinea pig for a serum, (laughs) which transforms him into a vicious... I was going to say viscous, but vicious really is a better um, werewolf. <laughs> a viscous werewolf sucks, man. <laughs> now oh, I gotta, man. Now I got to see it. It's actually awesome. The 5.1 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> That's solid. That's hilarious. That's way old, way old stuff. You get those memories hung when you're little of stuff that's nothing, and you just it locks in your whole memory. What, Salem's Lot is in my brain. Is oh, is, I yeah. mean, just ironed into yep. my brain. Did y'all ever see hey, Salem's Lot? Oh my yes. gosh! I will tell you what has stuck with me to the point where if I turn off the lights, I have to like run out of a room. <laughs> is the sister, the sister in the original Pet Cemetery oh my movie. God. That movie freaked me out so bad. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. I can't remember Beloved the si- was on- sister one. I remember the, the little kid cut that he- guy's Achilles tendon from under the bed, and I can't stop thinking about it right now. I cannot stop thinking about <laughs> the sister. That. The sister, um, so the dad in Pet Cemetery, in the original, had a sister who had spinal meningitis. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, yeah. You know, just kind of creepy. And I still see that when I turn the lights yeah. off, especially when I'm here at the tattoo shop. That, and there's a pirate that was in that movie called The Witch named Black Phillip. He was the goat. 
I see him when I turn the lights off in here, <laughs> just, which is scary to run out of the room because there's a pirate in the room. But I feel like so. Uh, so I, I'm I a little I'm a little excited to know that I'm not the only one that when I turn off the light behind me, I get I start instantly thinking about every horror scene. Oh, I know. I mean, you guys deal with that too. I mean, I not, about, I'm yeah. not saying every time. I'm not saying every time. Not every time. But like, it's yeah. very random. But but here's if I think about I'm, the. Yeah, go, go ahead, Dusty. Go ahead, Dusty. Well, no, I was, was going to say, say, if I hear the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, did you guys, uh, get freaked out by that theme song from Unsolved Mysteries? Oh, yeah. yeah. Man, yes. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every, every night I heard that, man, I couldn't look down the dark hallway at the house. But I yeah. think I heard it today. You did? I heard it today. Yes. Yes. That's okay. a good one. Mm-hmm. Just the concept of the Unsolved Mysteries was just unsettling. I mean, uh, that's just not right. Like, they, of course, they solve them, right? Right. You know, he, like, God is in right? control oh. and the mysteries get solved, you know? No, we no, don't think this unsolved Our God is in control. And, no. and a few notes that make me understand that there's no, you know, there's, there's no answers to anything. And there's that unsolved mysteries Dude. out there. I don't like that. If there's Man. a... If there's a spooky podcast out there that wants me to come and tell some stories, I will tell some stories. I know that there are bands that have heard my stories. Aaron, have you ever heard any of my creepy stories from the Norma Jean or Under Earth guys? I guess we got to do that now. It's, there's no the, better time or place. Yeah, we're jumping yeah. in. You got to so yeah. at least give us a podcast in October, the month of Halloween, one. where we tell yeah. spooky we're band stories. stories. Yeah, it takes. It's going to take too much time, but I will tell you, there are people <laughs> in tears. I remember telling a story one time. We're all in my basement. Durr, you guys know Durr. Yeah, yeah. We're in the we're in the in my parents' basement, and I'm telling the story. By the time I get done with it, he is literally crying real tears. <laughs> and like, dude, I have a story with uh, Jimmy from Haste the Day. Like something happened to him, and in, and in, in my well, you got to give house. us a summary or one of the stories or oh, something. Oh yeah, you if can we, you can. We'll let you off the hook if it doesn't make us cry and everything, but you got to give us something from it. You got to tell us the nature um, of it. All right. So the the first thing that ever happened, dude, this is so weird. Why are you laughing so hard, Aaron? Because <laughs> he's scared God, he's going to start crying in a second. Yeah. I'm scared I'm about to get to know myself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> I love that. We're, all right. So the first creepy thing that ever happened in the house that my mom just sold. My dad passed away a few years ago, so my mom sold. She moves. She's moved into a a little townhouse across town. But um, I was in my bedroom. It was one of the last days of school of seventh grade. So in my bedroom, it's like two fifty something in the morning. This is so ridiculous. And I, it's raining and thunder. I'm waiting oh, for it. Here, it's not going to. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm laying in my bed. They can't see the arms crossed, right? So it kind of thunders really loudly. So it wakes me up. My winders, my winders, my winders. windows <laughs> rattle. The windows <laughs> rattle a little bit, right? Like a North and Carolina I, motherfucker. <laughs> I look over at the clock. The clock flips from like 2.59 to 3 a.m. Oh, and I just kind of look there. And I remember thinking school day is coming and I look over and I promise you as real as I have seen anything in my life, there was a, a figure of like a woman or something standing over my bed, <laughs> staring at me what? to the point where I had to stare at it and, and 
like figure out what was going on. And I, I immediately just couldn't breathe. And, and I stopped breathing. My mom comes busting in the door from her room. She said she started having a nightmare and she felt like God said, something's wrong. Go into Joe's room. She gets up out of the bed and runs into the room and I'm like freaking out and, and nothing else happened. But then there were, occurrences where people kept seeing things in my house that I had seen for years and years and years. Shit. Finally. Yeah. Yeah. Matt from beloved, uh, my friend, Jeremy, um, my friend, Sean, and then Jimmy, I'd never told any of this stuff, but Jimmy, this is, I think this might even be after beloved broke up. Haste today was playing like in town, you know, in Greensboro, um, the green street, you guys probably played Green Street. I think so. And he stayed the night, stayed for a couple of days at my parents' house. It's like midday. He goes downstairs to take a nap on, on the day off. And he's like laying down in the basement. He's laying down on the couch. And he can see the little bit of light coming through the basement window, hitting the TV, one of those tube televisions where you can see a reflection. And he said he saw something walk back behind him. And he thought it was maybe me. Like I was down in the basement. I was upstairs talking to my mom the whole time. I never, he ended up coming back upstairs a couple hours later. We go out to eat. We kind of did our thing that night, come back late night. I'm, we're just hanging out. It's probably midnight. He's in my bathroom shaving. He's got that big old thick Jimmy beard. He's shaving and I'm falling asleep on the couch and within a few minutes, I hear him talking and he's like, it's like, he's talking to someone. And I was like, who are you talking to? And he said, uh, you, he was having a, he said he was having a conversation with someone. And I was like, dude, what the freak? You know, I'm just like freaking out. And I was like, let me tell you something. And I don't, you know, Jimmy at that time was like, you know, he probably had like anointing oil on him or something. He was like ready to go to war and I was freaked out. And that was probably one of the last things that happened there, but all kinds of weird stuff. Like me and me and my sister go downstairs and there's like a, a literal wind that moved past us in the house. There's doors opening things happening right in front of my face. I don't know how to explain any of it other than like, Y'all Why wonder, did you like, live there? <laughs> Why know, did you leave? People, like people are always like, Joe, how did you, how have you maintained you? You've been in punk and hardcore and all these people have kind of walked away from this and that. And they're like, how have you maintained your faith? And I'm like, I have, to me, I'm like uh, a lot. I don't know that, that that has anything to do with the Bible scripture or God, but somehow just the experiences in my life have definitely kept me like somewhat open to every single bit of it in a very tangible real way so <laughs> Matt says, like, I, got, I gotta stay close to god i got demons <laughs> <laughs> bro weird, weird weird wild stuff weird wild stuff i can't i can't deal with that so is your opinion that that house is haunted dude here's the thing i um, or that that spiritual activity is what people think of as haunting classically when you hear others report about it. You imagine they're experiencing something similar to what you experienced there. 
I don't know how to even have a conversation about that because I'm still trying to put together like, I feel like my memory is pretty sharp on things and I don't want to lie about anything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I'm always trying to figure out what's real, especially from that part of my life. And, you know, as compared to like, I remember all the good times on tours and the goofy, funny stories and all that kind of stuff, the details, the dates, that kind of stuff. So I'm just trying to make sure that I'm not losing it. You know, every time I go back and try to think about those moments, but, I don't think I've ever told any of those stories differently because I remember them like it happened. You know, like I feel like if you have to, te- if you try to retell a lie, it, it changes a little bit every time. I, I don't know. I, don't, I have no clue. I don't know. Man, I don't think I've ever seen anything. Matt's seen a demon before. <laughs> I have. Honestly. I had to. I had. I mean, you know, the way I have my experience now. It sounds a little bit like Joe's, but not as much. And I do find mine to be more of a sleep paralysis explanation. Yeah. But also, I I was experiencing a. I mean, I experienced as a presence and a figure in the space that I was in that I couldn't quite see, and I was paralyzed. So that's the thing that yeah. the fact that there, you always feel like you can't breathe or move your body is the thing that does have a physiological kind of explanation. Ooh. And then all you can say is that your mind generates a corresponding experience that matches what you're what you're what it has to make sense out of the situation so maybe that even brings in the figure in your half asleep half dream you know there's some way you could look at that but from an experiential point of view it seems just as legitimate to say demon that seems just as legitimate right of an explanation in in a in a way um but it, Dude, you know. I have a, I have a brilliant friend. His name is Alan Vesterfelt. He has, he was like, dude, have you ever had sleep paralysis? And I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. And he said, I've got a weird hypothesis on what sleep paralysis actually is. And this was after the movie. There was like a Netflix movie. I never watched it because I was too freaked out to watch it. Uh, that came out on sleep paralysis or a documentary or something like that came out on it. And he said. I think, and so this isn't our church setting. He worked at my church for a little while. Um, actually, probably longer than I have worked there. But uh, he, uh, Jeez, he was like, <laughs> I think that sleep paralysis is God waking you up to a certain point, not fully awake, and letting you experience the spirits that are unaware that he has woken you up. Uh-huh. So I had a, I had a, That's I'm just, I'm going to try and, and paint <laughs> this picture that it's like, it's almost like him protecting you. It's revealing that, that plane of existence to you. So I had a sleep paralysis one time where I could hear someone downstairs whistling in my townhouse. They were going through my cabinets and they were opening my cabinets. I could slowly hear them coming up the steps and I'm going, mm, mm. yeah, yeah, and then, yes. And then yes. all of a sudden, I hear my dog, Ivan, who slept, who slept on my bed, growling. And by the time I heard this person, whip, like, oh no, kind of slowly coming up my steps, my dog 
gets up and he's growling and barking <laughs> and I wake up Lord. and I'm watching my dog hair raised looking at the door of our bedroom. And I was like, freak no. And Alan had told me about that. And I was like, dude, I'm done with this. Like it freaked me out, but his way of looking at that, yeah, I, was I don't like, like okay, that. That's pretty brilliant. I don't like that view. Because, Damn it. Now I'm know. not gonna be able to sleep tonight. Oh <laughs> yeah. I've never had any sleep paralysis. Well, maybe I had one small experience, nothing too crazy like you guys. But I grew up, I mean, we all grew up in the South, and we don't have to go too much longer in this. But my dad, you know, I, I went, we went to a very, very charismatic church. Very charismatic. Yeah. Holy Spirit moving, baptism, Holy Spirit, all this crazy stuff, you know. And I remember one time this guy who went to our church for years and years, he called my dad late at night. It was probably 11 p.m., and said, Ronnie, I need you to come over. There's something wrong with Kathy, who was his wife. And I was probably God. 13 or 14 years old at the time, maybe maybe a little younger. And my dad goes over there. He's gone for a couple hours. You know, we're, I eventually go to bed or whatever. And then next morning I wake up and <clears throat> I hear him and my mom talking. And he said he went over there and the guy's wife, who had been going to the church for years as well, and she was always real vocal, real charismatic, she was – something was going on with her and my dad started praying for her and all this stuff. And all of a sudden my dad's talking to a demon. <laughs> and so he starts telling my mom this story and the, the girl, the woman's voice changes and all that stuff, just the stereotypical stuff you hear. And he, and it, it becomes talking in, in third person or whatever. He says, I've had Kathy since 1983, stuff like that to my dad and my dad. There's no reason my dad to lie to me and my mom, you know, he's not like putting on airs or something. He's just, telling what happened he's crying my dad's crying the oh, next shit. morning you overheard that yeah he he's didn't crying, know you were listening to well him I, I think i think he eventually knew i was listening and he just starts telling my mom you Damn. know and his, i'm just there so he's crying telling my mom the story he's talking to this demon he he goes through the whole process he not like an you know an exorcism or anything but he just does what he's trying to do but she's fighting him and all this stuff it's crazy man so i mean that that kind of stuff has stuck with me for my whole life i've never experienced it personally but i've you know, firsthand stories from my dad and stuff like that. So that stuff gets me bad. That's why I can't watch any of those kind of like, uh, what's those super paranormal, scary paranormal movies these days that I just cannot watch them conjuring <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Yeah. No chance. No chance. Yeah. I don't mess with those. No. That's what's interesting about Matt's seeing the, the, the same kind of similar, the same demon. He, Matt said, what is your name demon? And she, Bridget, what you, <laughs> it's me, Bridget. Bridget. It's Matt, Matt. I, I didn't understand that part of the story, Matt. When you told me that, this weird you dark the, figure oh at the end of my bed, and it was mean what? as hell. I just saw it. Matt, Matt I mean? was frozen. It, it, Matt was scared frozen. Of <laughs> <laughs> what is that, Brid, Bridget? <laughs> I thought for a long time all demons were short Mexican women. <laughs> Matt thought that I mean, it was, <laughs> so bad. It was scary, boy. I'm, I'm telling you what. <laughs> oh man. Well, Joe, maybe you can come on some other time and tell us tell us some more stories. We can have a spooky episode or something. Dude, that was good. Everybody has Everybody has tour stuff. stories. I bet. We have tour stories with Beloved. Where y'all got? Do we not? Where y'all got spooked? Haunted together, haunted. Oh, together. We stayed, we like stayed, the Weiss, the Weiss House in in Iowa, right? Dude, we stayed in a in a hundred year old con old convent 
converted to a home that a family lived in. And we watched a door. We were all sleeping, a door that was probably about 15 to 20 feet away from where we were, slam open in the middle of our conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Did we not, no. Dusty? I remember, yeah. It was like it was like the the the, the buddy trips to the shower upstairs. You'd be like, dude, I'm I'm not going up there by myself. Like, can you you come sit outside the shower while like, you know, while I take a shower? It's like it's, it's like two o'clock in the morning. That mm-hmm. is just so funny, that state when you and your friends all get on the same wavelength of scared. Oh, it's so it's, fun. It's, it's hilarious. So fun. I mean, it's like, yeah. it's, like, oh, it's like a bunch it. of kids or something. Yeah. yeah. But once, that, once like when that's willing, the vibe, when you can't change it. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. Um, when, when it's willing and you're like, yeah, yeah. let's get scared. Yeah. The, house, it, the house that the girls, that the label girls lived at, Amanda mm-hmm. and... Annika. Um, like Annika? Yeah. Annika. Uh, yeah, dude. I mean... I, we we saw some lights flicker, the TV turn on, weird crap, and we don't know. Maybe one of us had, had the remote. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I definitely didn't. We'd have to go through and get the guys and yeah, you guys need a Halloween episode with this all. This is the, it. This is the <laughs> one. We're spinning. This now. is what is happening. We're still going. <laughs> All right, I'll get off. I'll get off. I'm sorry. I hijacked it. Toby's what? like done with this. He doesn't want this. No, I'm just jealous. I don't have any of those stories. Nothing ever Dang happens it, to man. me. Sorry. I think I, I think I felt a demon in the room the night my best friend hung himself. Uh, Yo, man. God, Lunch. You took it down. I've heard that. Joe can can tell a hundred ghost stories. You can tell one. one? (laughs) Yeah. Save it, buddy. There'd be a better time to tell that one. Oh, yeah. uh, Hey, I'll tell a story about when my child was murdered and then I saw a demon right after that. (laughs) Come on. No, I mean, this is. Are you for real, though? Yeah, I'm 100 percent for real. Yeah, tell it. I've heard you tell I mean, it. Before. I, well, no, nah, I mean it's it, it's uh, it's at a come and live tour with As Cities Burn and Me Without You and uh, Under Oath and shit. What was that other band? Jeremy Camp. No shit. <laughs> I should know. There were another Tooth and Nail band, but anyway, uh, and like Chad John. It was like when Chad Johnson first was starting Come and Live stuff, you know, and getting yeah. like super into like his spiritual stuff and like we did this retreat up in the mountains in alabama and we were up there like no cell phone service or nothing and uh we had like chick-fil-a that night but aaron weiss like had some dumpster fish too or something like that that he brought for everybody to eat yeah yeah he had some dumpster fish and uh (laughs) but they were doing like like heathcliff the cat is what everybody's yeah yeah Just a whole fish, fish bone out no, of the garbage can. They were doing a worship service, and uh, Tim, my friend Tim, had been like, he had called me a couple times, and I like had not answered or something. And I knew he was going through a hard time. I was on tour, whatever. I missed his call, but like middle of the night calls. And then during this worship service, I was like hating that I was listening to worship music. And I was like, what the fuck are we doing here? And they were going to make us go like help Jimmy Carter build houses the next day or some shit. I was like, this fucking blows. Like I just like I'd literally been on tour for for like 40 weeks straight, like months and months and months we've been on tour. 
And like, but I felt like a, a darkness come over the room and I felt like bad. Like I remember feeling very bad and very dark and like something was very, very wrong. And it was around the time that Tim hung himself. And I've never uh, felt anything like that since oh, or before weird. that, but it, it was a true darkness. And I was like, something is very, very wrong right now. And I'm a hundred percent positive it happened. Cause I didn't know. No, he, he didn't call me that day and be like, Hey, I'm going to kill myself tonight. And I was like, Oh, something don't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that is interesting. That is you know? interesting because, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about how to really, un- I'm not, I mean, obviously I'm inexperienced and I don't know a whole lot about some of what I'm talking about in this regard, but I, people talk about energy. If you want to understand earth and the universe and all that stuff, try and yeah. try and comprehend frequencies and energy. And so to me, that just feels like there's an energy that connects people, probably some people more, you know what I mean? Like more direct energy or stronger energies or something like that. And so just the idea that you and Tim being so close like yeah, how did you know I what feel mean? Like that there's some kind around of eight forty five that right. night, and then at around eight forty five he hung himself. Right. I mean, I, I think there's How's something that to possible? that. I mean, I really do. But it's know. also the um, the way the way Lunsford <laughs> tells the way Lunsford tells the story is, hey, my 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 friend killed himself, but I when I this darkness got on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, my friend killed himself, but uh, man, about this time, I had a darkness on me. <laughs> oh, you did? The darkness? Oh my God. Tell, we'll find out more about the person that killed himself in a minute. This darkness, tell me about it. <laughs> I mean, could like, the story just be my friend killed himself? That, isn't no, that enough? No, <laughs> he's gone. He, that's dumb, yeah. though. Man, I have a story that's uh, kind of scary, but it's horrifically sad first. <laughs> yeah, that's a mixture. That's I'm, not the normal cocktail and scary story because it's supposed it, to be It could fun. just be sad. I'm sorry. Well, it's all I got. Aaron, ha- Aaron has a story about his friend killing himself that is actually about a dark, a darkness in the scene. <laughs> Well, oh, you're talking about ghosts and demons. I know. And shit. I'm just like, busting your. Balls. I'm just. It's just. I know. It's you. just funny that you would talk about somebody killing themselves, <laughs> and you say, "But I had darkness on me." Like you were telling somebody that story. Hey, I had a friend that. You ain't gonna believe this. My friend killed himself, but that's not the craziest part. <laughs> that's not the craziest part. Wait, no, no, no. I hundreds of miles away. At this fucking place, I don't want to be covered in darkness. I like how uh, Aaron Weiss is a part of the story eating hey. dead fish and a you know what yeah. dumpster fish. Let me we, set the scene with beloved, this dumpster fish. Beloved, we have some stories with Aaron Weiss, and here's the thing: they were crazy. They were some. I, I specifically those remember were the, one. those were the days when right yeah. when y'all toured with him, where he was at probably peak dumpster eating, right? Yo, I remember us getting out. We played a show in Salem, Oregon, and we drove about an hour. We stopped at a gas station right next to a little hotel, and there was this ginormous, incredibly overweight guy on a second-story second story balcony, and we're getting out of our vans, and he said something like, you're a bunch of evangelicals aren't you or something really weird like that and um 
That scared me so bad. The little receipt printer started shooting. <laughs> 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 you have a wild oh, night tonight. Wild night tonight. I'm locking up the tattoo shop tonight, Joe. Don't turn that light off too quick. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, we're all just kind of looking at him like, what the heck is this dude talking about? He comes down and we're all, you know, Ricky's crazy. Ricky's yeah. ready to do something wild. Probably has got a, he's probably got a knife on him. Um, <laughs> And this guy wants, he walks straight up to Aaron. He's like, lay hands on me, lay hands on me, pray for me. Like acting really weird. And I remember Aaron was just like, no, <laughs> you know, it was like, it was, and we're all trying to like, kind of get this guy away. And he's like grabbing Aaron's hand and like trying to put it on his head. Oh, and like, weird. it was a really weird moment and i you know i've come out of the gas station like a honey bun like what's going on you know it's like so i think but i think that's i think that's like what is real about all of this is like you can come out of the gas station with a honey bun and the reality you're living in is like i'm just trying to get to seattle so we can go to sleep at amanda and annika's house and then there's some guy who's like trying to get this really strangely gifted human being that is probably closer to God than almost any of us because he's willing to go eat out of the trash can. And he's trying to get this guy to lay hands on him because there's probably something that's inside of him that sees what's inside of him. Yeah. You think that he yeah, is crazy. That guy is no, is noticing like, the magnetism or energy or whatever gift Aaron has that. And what's the, what's the magnetism about a guy that goes and eats out of the trash can? It's the right. same magnetism that was that people saw in Jesus. That's why they followed him around. But to to go back to Aaron, you're the square below me. It's like the um the Brady Bunch thing. <laughs> Do you uh, think Aaron Weiss brought the demon to me? No, no, no. He was present during Aaron's darkness. He was, he was there. The both of them. He was there. To to what Aaron said, I've had experiences where it's like, dude, I'm. I remember. I was just going to work. Like I always worked in between getting off tours. I would get off tour, call my boss. I'm coming in that same morning at 8 a.m., go to work. Literally gone for 90 days, go to work that same day. So I just go into work. And like I remember being on a bridge and all of a sudden just this feeling of like utter despair hit me. And I was almost in tears within an instant. And I and I'm like, God, what are you saying? And I turned left to go onto the little business 40. And all of a sudden there is a car flipping, 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 flipping. And a lady literally shoots no, out of the front of the car, through the windshield and landed on a guardrail. I'm like, he was just, I heard in my spirit, just pray. So I just got out of the car. There were already people stopped. There was already a police car pulling over right there. And people were on her. And I'm just like, what the freak is going on? That's not the only time that's ever happened in my life. So I talk about those goofy, funny, like demon stories, but I've also had <laughs> way too many experiences of like something real happening that was good in my life. And I can concur that what Aaron probably experienced probably was connected because that's what relationship does is when you have relationship with God, you're all of a sudden connected to something that's higher, that's bigger, that's unsearchable, that's deeper, that's unknown to any of us, but he makes himself known to us in such a personal way. And then we do that with friendships and relationships laterally 
you know, and like, then those things are what he's trying to establish on this earth. Sorry, but like, that's the way I see this whole thing is like, I don't know. That's what makes. So I think what you experienced could, could have been, could have been real. It may not have, you know, it was real. What you experienced It may not have been connected, but it, it could have been. Does that make the, the whole thing then is like all is connected to source or something? Like there's a you're saying there's an energy that flows down and then through people. Like to Devin's point about there's an energy and there's a well, connection, I, another you know, dimension, something that we just don't have the you perception could say energy. for. Energy, you you could say energy, or you could say like a person, the person of the Holy Spirit. I think you know even in all of your screw ups, like if you're a son, you're a son. And the Holy Spirit is there, you know, like right. no matter how far off you are from God, no matter if you were like, F it, I'm done with the store. I F and hate being here. I don't want to be in this stuff. What is the point of this? You're still a son. So like the Holy Spirit was probably in the, in that moment with him. And there was probably something dark trying to discourage him in that moment. And it took his friend's life, you know, despair, despair is demonic. So Damn, I'm gonna go to causes, church. This it causes <laughs> it causes people to kill. It causes people to kill themselves. It causes people to kill other people. It causes people to hate themselves. They can't even look in the mirror. Like that's. But my experience is that all of this is real, and there's nothing that anyone could ever say to me to convince me otherwise. And so that's why I don't care about going into a room of 500 people who think that I'm the most foolish person in the world for believing what I believe in. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise things of the world. He chose the things that make no sense to the world to bring about what truly makes sense to him. You know, so I, I, that's, that's where I'm at. And that's why they call this son. I love you. It it wasn't about, it was just about Aaron's feeling. <laughs> Toby's mad at me. I'm not mad at you. Toby's just, mad. No, Toby's mad. That the whole album was all the whole album about. was just about how shitty your weekend was. <laughs> <laughs> Being at that place. Being at that place, got to go build a house. The Chick Fil A wasn't even that good. The, it was like that, soggy uh, fries too. I heard. And, and now a darkness. Sandwiches. It was just nugget. Thank you. Thank you, Toby. Ch- Chad was going on and on with his spiritual su- stuff. It really sucks, uh, you know? <laughs> Bring it all back. That. The uh, most real experience all of us have had probably in the last 20 years just happened three weekends ago yeah. because of a guy that's way too spiritual about everything. He takes things way too seriously and loves people too too oh, intensely. Yeah. yeah. But that's what 100%. made it real for all of us because there's a Chad Johnson in the world. What did do you remember that, him uh speaking before you, your set? Do you remember that? That was the best thing to me that happened the whole night. That was charged up. I mean, I that was, like, was like yeah. crazy. Toby and I were sitting there watching. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, because Chad's been off social media and stuff for a while. And, you know, and he's like, it's like this came and this, he was in that moment. It's like, wow, Chad is on it. He like, he's feeling his thing to whatever he thinks, whatever he's do, whatever he feels called to, this is a big moment, you know, for him. You could t- feel that. Well, can you imagine? I mean, look what I mean. Yeah. He, that was yeah. his thing. Yeah, that first right. fest, he 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 did build it, and he had some yeah. help this time. But like, can you? How would you feel? 
his hands were in our bands. Like he was a part of all of us. Yeah. Right. Just, right. Not just the fest. Yeah. He called like last week or two weeks ago or whatever. And he's like, man, he's like, I'm sorry. He was like, I didn't even talk about like, you know, like calling you guys first and, and talking about all this. He's like, I just kept going and going. I was like, dude, that was just you, man. You know, that was, that was you being Chad. And it was amazing. Like the whole crowd got charged up from that. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was cool. He was pumped up, and you could just see after it happened the energy. <laughs> and then, I mean, even for him, I mean, think about all the bands he's worked with, and with his own label, and then moving to Tooth and Nail, and and then coming live. I mean, it just that every time I saw him, he had just a really big smile on his face, and he and he seemed relaxed. I thought that was yeah, kind of totally. cool. So. He's one of those people was, that knows how to find the energy, and you know, it's also kind of like mixed with talent and I'm not even I don't know the mechanism of what I'm even talking about but you know people like Chad or is a spiritual side of it and then people like Brandon Ebel have an eye for talent and the same people that you know there's some overlap of all that where there are people that are able to see and spot at least characteristics and things and perceive things differently. That is true. And Chad is routinely going to be in those positions. Like he's tuned into. The, he grew up in the yeah. missionary and saw all kind of stuff like that kind of stuff. But that there's certain people who are just tuned into that thing and can see it even more clearly. And then you get these collections of mixture of talented or openness or believe like real true believers. You know, because you have to believe to do stuff in this world. Like you have to believe in your band. You have to be crazy and stupid and believe this can happen and that can happen and that person is really screwed up by believing them. And then you know that's the mm-hmm. all these things are like overlap with a bunch of nonsense like that that doesn't fly in the like the real world. You know, it's just a bunch of weird believers that make stuff happen. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, he like he truly discovered like just un- unreal talent. I mean, yeah. he like discovered Chris Crabba. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Right. Right. You know, and two thirty eight, and me without you, and Norma Jean, and Beloved, uh-huh. and I mean, it, it's just wild what what he actually yeah. did. I mean, all those all For those sure. all those <laughs> really is. bands. Like he was the guy on the phone 18, 20 years ago calling all of those bands. You know, it was Chad right. Chad calling and emailing, and you know hardly any of those bands had agents or anything at the time you know so he just had a he had a phone number you know he called my parents house talked to chad every day he called my parents (laughs) phone number you know it's crazy (laughs) is that a 993 or a 996 so when so when chad when chad called (laughs) like when chad called us uh, or texted me about you know, reuniting for Furnace Fest, I was eating dinner at my parents' house and I was with Dillinger, my oldest son, in my old room when I got a text from Chad. And it was like the most like weird, Dude, it was the no most surreal way. thing. Yeah, I texted you and Johnny. He's like, it's weird. I'm at my parents' house and I just got this text from Chad about Beloved playing in a show. You know, it's, it was, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, it's been wild the whole time, you know, from I remember when y'all quit and we did some touring with Josh when he was in Classic Case and, oh yeah, you know, that whole thing. And there's still oh, more yeah. to talk to Josh about. I mean, he's continuing, you know, transformation of, of who he is and what he's doing. It's, I find that fascinating and still want to catch up with him more, too. So all of it's really crazy to span the, to span the whole time. And then the amount of it that still feels the same as it ever did, like that, like you're in your room, you're just trying to learn to break down or play the part or make people do, you know, get people together to do stuff. I mean, it's the same old stuff. So uh, pretty crazy. So thank you all yep. for hanging out tonight. Yeah, this yeah. was fun, guys. Yeah, that was fun. Um, we... 
just for a second, I want to speak to, we're putting it back. We used to always tell people to join the BC Club at the end of every episode. And uh, at this point, we've got we've been doing a bunch of work to reorganize how we do all our stuff and think about the brand and think of the purpose of what this podcast is and the communities. And it's definitely to find the misfits and the weird people and the outsiders and the believers and people that think there's stuff to do together. Um, and so we call all that knuckle breakers like the Emory lyric these knuckles break before they bleed uh the emory land people that's just the you know kind of an archetype of the spirit of the type of person that that we are and want to do stuff so we're using the term knuckle breakers and we're doing knuckle breakers production and that beloved thing we got a bunch of more stuff in the pipeline we think that all bad christians are knuckle breakers in spirit basically uh the label group is like that so we are hoping to really foster a sense of overlap of all the communities the relative communities and stuff like that and we're sharing all the content, the bonus podcast, the Emory specials, the I'm Only Man, our new album, um, and we're going to continue to work and bring other content that's relevant in the scene um, and to our people from both post-Christian, deconstruction, Christian, spiritual music, all that stuff. And so we're using that uh, name because it just kind of sticks. It's always been there um, to speak to that. So at this point, we'll start messaging again, which we haven't done in a long time, to try to grow our community. Um, and it, it's called Knuckle Breakers, so you can become a Knuckle Breaker by going to, I guess it's knucklebreakers.co. And then we're trying to figure out, you know, that'll be a developing, you know, project as we go and what that membership includes or whatever. But that's how you can support this podcast and the stuff that we're doing. Um, you get access to the Facebook groups and the different Discord groups and the stuff like that. There's a whole more, way more in there than I could message and explain. We're going to do a Knucklebreaker Challenge, which is our mental and physical thing coming up soon. So, again, more than we could message, but we're, we're uh, kind of got everything real organized now and excited to announce a whole bunch of big stuff they'll be changing and growing and it's mainly just expanding and getting more stuff for more people so if uh you want to join our community that we're talking about here a little bit and beyond that's uh knucklebreakers.co so become one today what about michael b jordan in creed yeah, that's 2? pretty good i just watched creed 2 yeah, on the plane good. did i tell you that dude that Did you watch it? And I, it was, I think this might be a demonic thing, but I just got finished watching that movie 48 hours ago. Is that a demon? You did. Yes. And now you're here talking about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. How do you feel right now? Light or dark? No. Wasn't, wasn't it one of the greatest movies it, of all time? It was, it was excellent. Yeah, it was excellent. It's an unbelievable movie. Yeah. I mean, Damn, I can't I believe how it. it's unbelievable. I, I was so I was trying to figure out how is this going to end. I couldn't figure out what they I were going to do with Drago. I couldn't figure out right. how that. Don't tell I me. won't. But I couldn't figure it out, and I thought it was just great. It really, you know, it, yeah, Drago's son's in it, and yeah. he's massive. It was awesome. He's so good.